0: What constitutes a god? I know that there is going to be some disagreement in this particular podcast. As to what some people might argue a god is and is not and that's all right because I'm going to be trying to base my position with parallel examples as well as I can and even within the works that we have available to us. In the end I hope that my explanations of what a god is are going to be something which is in the very least understandable. One of the things that we first have to understand is that not every entity of equal power to the gods is a god. We have this within our own lore. We have the understanding that there are gods and that there are ettins, or Thurses, or Giants, or whatever you want to call them. The thing is, though, that these entities are exceptionally powerful, and for all intents and purposes, they equal the gods in their strength. So what then separates the gods from those beings? You see, that's the big question, isn't it? If the gods are just as strong as the ettins and the ettins are just as strong as the gods, what separates an ettin from a god? Is there anything physical that separates the two? Anything biological? Anything morphological? The short answer is no. We can't really talk about the biology of the gods because they are gods. And uh, in any entity which has the ability to shapeshift, essentially at will, any talk of morphology is essentially laughable. And so let's just take them at their word for the moment and uh, begin to look at the things that we know from the lore. Thor's mother is a giantess. His father is a god. Thor doesn't suffer in his status at all because of his seemingly mixed heritage. Tyr has no god ancestry whatsoever to speak of if we're to trust the Hymyskivtha. In that, his father is Hymir, a giant. And heimdallr he doesn't even have a father, much less was there any god involved. Instead, he was born from nine giantesses. And yet, they're gods. No ancestry involved, no gods involved, but they're gods. Perhaps the best example is Skathi, the daughter of a Jotun, and not just any, but a major adversary of the gods, she becomes a goddess. So essentially what we can see fairly readily is that there is no biological or morphological or ancestral impediment to being considered a god. So what then makes a god? Why is a god different from an eton? We see this same thing crop up in various other religions. Uh, The one that you might be most familiar with would be the titan's and the gods in Greek religion. In the Greek religion, the Titans and the gods are essentially the same sort of being. There's very much the idea that they are the same because the gods come from the Titans. So in the Hellenic religion, we see the same sort of thing happening as we see in the Norse religion. You have these entities which are equal in might with the gods, that the gods are related to, that the gods are from, and yet they are not the same. And so what then separates an entity like a Jotun from a god? In these examples, we can see that they're not exactly a different type of entity in any way that seems to be natural or any way which seems to be biological or morphological. Instead, the difference seems mostly to be in how they behave and act. Uh, It's more of a behavioral difference, a difference of culture, a difference of society, as it were, a difference of allegiances and alliances and philosophy. Uh, And so this mental difference which is between them, this difference which is of the heart and of the mind, uh, is where we are really going to be looking. And we sort of have to look outside of some of our normal sources for us to really grasp this issue in any great depth. Now, our best example for this difference actually comes from Hinduism. The book which I'm going to be looking at and referencing for this is the the Valmiki Ramayana. Uh, it's a hefty Ramayana, not like that short one. Uh, and so this uh, this really thick really hefty Ramayana uh, goes into detail about the journeys of Rama and Sita and Ravana, but it also goes into details about the gods through the whole thing because essentially it's a it's a tale which has divine implications. One of the things that we see in this book is that there is a strong emphasis On the idea of dharma. Now, dharma is one of those concepts which is excruciatingly difficult to pin down because every single one of those religions, whether that be Jainism, Buddhism, Hinduism, and even pinning Hinduism down into one thing is nearly impossible because it is so diverse in and of itself. But dharma, it has a different meaning in all of those, and so I'm going to mostly be looking at the Valmiki Ramayana for this. Uh, because that gives us a very clear idea of what they're talking about in terms of the gods and dharma and how it relates to them. So dharma is the way. It's about as simple as that, but it's excruciatingly complicated. And the reason for that is, is because it doesn't have a particularly good translation for us. It is the way, it is the way of order, it's the way of the gods, it's what's good for people, uh, it's what's good for a moral individual, it is what you should be doing, uh, and that is all wrapped up into the concept of dharma. And so it is the way, the correct way, the right way, the good way, the way of the gods, all of those things bundle up into one dharma. But that's not the only thing that there exists. There exists a different idea called adharma which is the opposite of dharma. It is against the way. It is against order. It is against the gods. It is against what is good for people. And these two concepts are in opposition to each other. You have dharma and you have adharma. Well, in dharma, that's the way of the gods. Adharma is the way of rakshasa. So you have these entities, which are opposed to the gods, called rakshasas and these entities are opposed to the gods and they would be in many ways equal to the gods in might and power Uh, these entities are going to be the idea of them being demons is not particularly accurate they uh they're correlated to that in western culture because of the influence of christianity Had they looked at the Norse, they would have been correlated with Etans or Jotuns. Had they looked at the Greek uh, polytheism, they would have been associated with the Titans. Uh, They are entities which are against the gods, but of equal might to them in most respects. And so these Rakshasas, their way is adharma. They are against the gods. They are opposed to the gods. They're opposed to men. They're opposed to all of those things. They break the rules. They are against order. They are chaos. And the rakshasas, their way is adharma. The dharma of a rakshasa is adharma. It is their way. It is what they do. It is their fundamental nature just as dharma is the fundamental nature of the gods. And so when we look at that terminology, the dharma and the adharma, we can see that there is a parallel sort of thing that's happening in Germanic polytheism, that you have these entities which are not upholding the way of the gods, that they are not upholding the way in which people would be benefited. So, these entities are not going to be good for people. They're going to be against people. Because the gods are for people, they are going to then oppose the gods and be against people. And we can see this in what they do. They, uh, they try and mislead people, try and uh, cause uh, strife and upset, and, and all of that other stuff. They are bad business, these rakshasas. Their way is adharma. Their dharma is adharma. Now, if we go back to the gods of the Germanic world, then, these deities uphold the order of the universe. They're the ones that cause the sun to rise on time, or for the rains to come, or for the ground to be fertile, or for the seasons to be in the proper moment. And, and so that's the order in which they are sort of like ruling over. There is a fundamental misunderstanding that gets made fairly often, in fact. And it's on the idea of order and chaos, in that we tend to think of order as being law and order. And in this case, it's not that now the concept of dharma did get applied down into those things uh, in that everything had a dharma everything had a way that it was supposed to go but that was a sort of a later idea in this case that i'm talking about the dharma of the gods is literally upholding the functioning of the universe uh, and that is the way that is the order that we're talking about that the sun rises on time that the ground is fertile Uh, that the rains come at the right time, that the winds come at the right time, that the seasons are in the correct order, that we can continue to exist, that the earth doesn't swallow us up, that the seas don't rise up and swallow us, that the sky doesn't turn cold and dark. That's the sort of order that we're talking about. The order of the gods is the order of the cosmos. Uh, And we're not talking about the order of, uh, of a particular society, uh, in, in which case there was a king or anything like that. The gods obviously didn't really care terribly much about the order of men amongst ourselves uh, because we can see that there was a huge upset uh, among most of the, uh, the, the people. You, you know, give it you know, 10, 15 years and then someone would come along and try and usurp them or try and conquer everybody else and what, whatever else there was. The, the gods didn't usually have a part to play in all of that. We see in some of the, uh, the sagas that they, uh, they do play favorites, uh, and we do see that they take sides occasionally in a struggle, uh, but the, uh, the thing is, is that, for the most part, the gods are not trying to uphold the order among men. What they're busy doing is upholding the order of the cosmos. So, when we're talking about chaos in this respect, we're not talking about upsetting the order among men we're talking about end-of-the-world kind of things. Uh, we're talking about, does the sun come up? Does the winter destroy civilization? So when we look at, say, an, uh, an event like, say, Ragnarok, uh, in the Ragnarok sort of uh, mythos, we, we have uh, the order of the gods coming to an end. The order of the gods comes to an end, and what does it do? It causes a great winter, which is going to wipe out basically all of humanity. The sun doesn't come up. It gets swallowed up. The, uh, the moon doesn't come up. It gets swallowed up. They are timeless, without the ability to measure time, without the ability to see the seasons change. There is no season. It's only winter. There is no kindness, no sunshine, no warmth, only cold and hard and unpleasant. What we see then is that after this, the Jotuns then cause the world to be destroyed in fire. And so you have a destruction in ice and uh, with a breakdown of the order of the gods uh, and then a destruction in fire. Uh, and, And so that's the kind of chaos that we're talking about. It's not that the order amongst men, a societal order is going to be destroyed, but that the universe and the cosmos are no longer regulated by the rules that the gods had set forward. And so there is a fundamental breakdown in the order of the cosmos. That is the, the order that we're talking about. So the gods are for order and the Etans are against order. They are for the breakdown of the cosmic order. And the gods are also allied with people. Uh, the gods want the continuation of people. They want them to prosper and be happy and to have good lives and things like that. The Jotuns are also against people. They seek to destroy the cosmos and the world, and in doing so, they would destroy the, uh, the, the people living inside of the world. Uh, and so we have this fundamental difference which is essentially based off of the ideas which could be, you know, very easily said to be resembling dharma and adharma, order and chaos. But they're not exactly the order and chaos that most people are trying to make them out to be. But instead, order and chaos of the cosmos, the order and chaos which either allow us to continue to live or destroy us. Uh, and cause us all to die. So if we were going to use these to help us define what a god is, and what a etin is, and the difference between them, uh, the difference between them isn't biological, isn't ancestry or blood-related. It's related to whether or not they're going to uphold their end of this bargain to keep humanity running, to keep the world and the cosmos going. And so the idea of the gods and the etens being different is really one based off of what is good for people. The gods are good for people. The etens are bad for people. Order in the cosmos is good for people. It lets us plant our crops. It lets us grow without interruption. It lets us continue to understand that the sun is going to rise in the morning and set in the evening. That is the order which the gods bring. And the chaos would be a disruption of that. Uh, and and so, when we talk about what is a god, a god is an entity which is good and benevolent towards people because they're upholding this, this universal order among the cosmos. They are entities of order. And, What is not a god is something which opposes the gods and opposes people and opposes that order amongst the cosmos. And those entities would not be something which should be worshipped because those entities are against people. They are against order amongst the cosmos. They are for destruction. They are for chaos. They are for the downfall of the order that brings life to this universe. Uh, and so when I look and try and define what a God is, what I look at is is this entity an entity which upholds the cosmic order? An entity which is going to be benevolent in some way, form, or fashion. Obviously, not omnibenevolent, but benevolent towards humanity benevolent towards us by upholding the order of the universe, the order of the cosmos? Is this entity going to be allied with the gods, for the gods, for order? Those types of entities are gods. Those which oppose are not gods. What makes a god a god is that element of order, that element of beneficence towards humanity. And there's a fundamental level at which this is also about upholding the idea of frith. So the gods have frith with each other. The gods have frith with each other and they have frith with men. They hold up their end of the bargain uh, and uh, the universe keeps rolling on. Uh, That frith that, uh, that they're upholding is important. The Breaking of that frith between the gods is going to be something which is tantamount to being ungodly activity, something which a god would not do and does not do. An entity which does that is not a god. Ultimately, we come to the understanding that what separates a god from an eton is not biological, is not morphological but is their willingness to embrace humanity and to uphold the order of the cosmos. The gods are good for people. The Etans are not. The gods uphold the order of the cosmos. The Etans seek to destroy or in the very least to disrupt the order of the cosmos. The gods are for the gods and the Etans are against the gods. I hope that this has at least been somewhat thought-provoking. Now, I know that not everyone is going to agree, and to be perfectly honest, I'm not really sure that I entirely care if everybody agrees with me. What my ideas of it are, I've grounded them and based them in things which I've read, both in the religion that I'm working out of and other comparable religions. Uh, And I'm not here to try and convince you. I'm only here to try and outline what I think. Uh, And so hopefully you'll have gotten something out of this podcast. My hope is, is that maybe you'll have learned something or at least thought thoughts that are deep in this process. I would like to give credit where credit is due. My intro music is Call of Valhalla by Anton Shiloh. And I added in some of my horn blowing. So if you enjoyed this talk, like subscribe, and share. Do whatever it is people on YouTube and podcasting do, and I hope that you tune in another time.